The idea about wellbeing is that it is unique for every single person. And so we need to treat our definitions of wellbeing as what is most important for us and our happiness and our health and know that it's going to be okay for work to increase within that, but also be equally okay for work to decrease when it's not helpful and it's not aligning with other priorities at the moment. Welcome to Leading You. I'm your host, Julie Hyde, and in this space, we delve into the dynamic intersection of leadership and mindset. Join me as we uncover the essential tools and insights you need to sculpt your own success and lead a life you absolutely love. Fleur Hazelwood is a leadership expert, keynote speaker, and founder of the Blueberry Institute. She's also a two-time author, and I invited her to chat about her first book, which is called Resilience Recipes, Making Space for Wellbeing That Works. And I think that is perfect for this time of year. So welcome, Fleur. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to talking to you about how we can just be well, but also be well at work. Yeah, absolutely. So what was the catalyst for you deciding to become an expert in the space of resilience and well-being? The catalyst for me was very much coming from my classic corporate trajectory career from grad to CEO in a very, very fast-paced way. So very much that high-performing, high-achiever, what do I need to do? What results do I need to get? How do I need to make sure that everyone is okay? How do I manage performance? How do I make sure that, I guess, the results are are matching the market clients? And for me, I was really good at looking after the health and well-being of everyone else. But at the same time, I was absolutely crashing my own. So I came out of leading a textile company through the GFC and very proud to say that during that time, even though our sales dropped, our profit increased, our market share increased, and one of my proudest achievements as well was that there were no redundancies, so I made sure that everyone was okay. However, I came out extremely unwell and with a very, I guess, a clinical form of burnout. And for me, one of the things that I learned the hard way is that burnout is not an acceptable price for success. And from a personal perspective, burnout is never okay because there are both short-term as well as long-term health consequences. So I'm extremely vigilant around managing my health now. But interestingly enough, we seem to think that our legacy of what we achieve I guess in the company when we're putting that extra last bit of effort or or health into the company is something that's going to stand the test of time and interestingly enough three years after I left it had I think three or four different CEOs that had come and gone the business had shrunk to half its size and was eventually sold and so you like to think that what you're doing is something that that matters, even if we're, even if it's at the expense of yourself. But we all need to understand that who we are is what matters and that we actually can achieve healthy as well as high performance. We've just got to do things a little bit differently. It's so true because it seems to me what I observe is for women in particular, they seem to get to this burnout 
state because they're striving and striving and striving for success, it seems that they need to hit that point before they realise that, oh, I need to do things differently. But things just seem to keep happening. So we're constantly striving and talking about this well-being and balance. But what does that actually mean? One of the things that I like to establish right up front is that there is no such thing as work-life balance. The reality is it's all life and work should be a small, manageable piece of this overall pie or this overall circle of life. And one of the reasons why I really dislike work-life balance is because it's giving a disproportionate weighting to work versus all the other things that we care about in our lives. And also, if you think about balance on a set of scales, it's this either or. You either have it, so your scale is up, or you don't, and it's clunked, and it's hit the ground. And we're not black and white creatures. Nothing is absolute. There are always small adjustments and negotiation that are going on. And so one of the most helpful mental frames that I have is thinking about our life as a circle or as a pie made up of a number of pieces and choosing what that segment of work represents. And I think for many of us, particularly during the early parts of our career, work takes on a disproportionate emphasis and priority. And we also assume a lot of that in terms of our identity. If I'm not doing well at work, then I'm not a good person. If I'm not doing well at work, then I'm not going to be successful. We have all the different stories. And one of the things I think that creates a healthy outlook on life and work within life is actually knowing that we can be a good person, a high achiever, be healthy and still do all the things that we care about. We just need to be a little bit more strategic and think about what this looks like sustainably. I'm with you. I do not believe in work-life balance at all. We've got one life, as you say, and we need to make it work. So taking pieces of that pie, if you like, like sometimes the work slice would be greater, other times it will be less. But it's just really being, I suppose, really aware of how much of that pie, if you like, is work. And if that works for you, great. If you can do that sustainably, great. But if it doesn't, you need to make some changes around it. So I love that terminology that you've just used because I think it's so important for people to think about it differently now. I think we've evolved past the old work-life balance scenario. Absolutely. And the thing about it too is if we think about this pie, it's a dynamic pie because at different stages of our life, different things are going to be more important. And so when we're starting our career, the work piece is probably going to be a larger one because we're working out what is it that I want to do? What does success at work look like? How do I make friends and and fit in? What skills do I need to learn? How is this going to influence my ability to create a good life for myself? But then in a different life stage, maybe we've just got married or we're turning our attention to children, then the work pie needs to reduce while the family pie, maybe the financial security pieces of the pie increase. And so the idea about wellbeing is that it is unique for every single person. And so we need to treat our definitions of wellbeing as what is most important for us and our happiness and our health right now and in this moment. And know that it's going to be okay for work to increase within that, but also 
be equally okay for work to decrease when it's not helpful and it's not aligning with other priorities at the moment. What would you do if you were confronted with a diagnosis that threatened your life? Would you continue to live as you are or would you make some big changes? That's what happened to me on the 6th of October in 2021. My life changed within a second, forever. This moment was a catalyst for me to look deep within and assess if I was living a life I loved. I wasn't. I was tolerating too much of it. And now I've made big changes. And I want to empower you with the choice to do the same. My second book, You Always Have a Choice, is now available and I share nine powerful strategies to let go of overwhelm and the relentless juggle and implement changes so you can lead a life you love. Head to youalwayshaveachoice.com.au to grab your copy. When I was doing some research about you, I read something that you wrote, which was, in our race for more, we reduce ourselves to even less. That really hits a nail on the head for where a lot of people are at right now. And it's, sometimes it's not only work. It can be wanting to do everything all at once, be everything to everyone. Can you share with me you know, what triggered that statement? We've been... And we are pushing ourselves so hard. And particularly if we think about the, the last few years, we had our bushfire summer, we've had the floods and the natural disasters, we've had the pandemic. And this year in particular, we're sort of like swinging out of um, pandemic thinking and into this economic uncertainty and financial instability. One of the, the mindsets that many people have is, I just need to get through this and then I can take a breather. I just need to work this out and then we can take a holiday or Mm. just need to keep it together to get it to the end of the year and over summer I'll have a chance to regroup. But the reality is that we are experiencing external circumstances that are ever-changing and changing all the time and we've all proved that we can navigate this. And so if we look yeah. at the last few years, the levels of productivity and growth in companies and people has been accelerating at the same time that people have been figuring out how do I work from home? How does hybrid work? How does in-person versus this versus managing a team virtually and, and all these different things that take a lot of extra effort and time. And we've demonstrated that we can do this. But at the same time, we're seeing record numbers of burnout hitting most of the headlines around the world. So this is not Australia specific, this is a global phenomena. We're seeing increasing levels of chronic stress. So not just Mm. the natural stresses of everyday life where stress is designed to go up, but it's also designed to go down. We're talking about chronic stress where we're seeing stress pile on to the point where people are experiencing it in a debilitating way. And despite all the extra resources and effort that has gone into supporting mental health, we are not budging the dial whatsoever on mental illness. We still have 20% of us at any one time or one in five of us at any one time experiencing a diagnosable mental illness. So this is not a niche thing. This is a, a common everyday thing. 
And so with this external focus, with so much of us like wrapped up in achieving things, balancing things, how we're perceived, what we get done. And so, as you said, it's not just about doing a good job at work. It's being a good job as a parent. It's being a good job as a family member. It's being seen to be an upstanding member of our communities. We're putting all of these external pressures on ourselves. And what we're actually doing is squeezing our own energy, health, time, self-care, all these things that actually make up who we are as people. And so it's not surprising that the wheels are falling off. And it's um, really the importance of leaders leading their people to have mental well-being in the workplace. You know, it is talked about a lot more now, but there's still a bit of taboo in the corporate arena in particular, I think. And there's that fear behind, oh my God, if I succumb to this, I'll undo all of the good work I've put into my career. Is there anything that you're doing or helping people to implement to get over that? One of the things I want to say here is that I wrote Resilience Recipes first because it's really Mm. important as leaders that we put our own oxygen masks on first. So when we're not well or we're a bit wobbly or we're letting stress get to us, we're not showing up for ourselves, but we're also not showing up for our people in the best way that we need Mm. to be doing. And so Resilience Recipes is very much around looking at your own pie of well-being and working out what areas you need to put some attention to. And so when I talk about resilience, I talk about it as a, as a skill set. So there's our coping skills for when we're under stress and pressure. There's the way that we manage adversity and challenges when things get thrown at us so that we can move forward as opposed to going down for the count. But then the third one, which we often miss, is the things that we're doing to optimise our energy and sustain our energy so that we can stay the course. And I tend to find we have people that are great at managing stress but burn themselves out. So that's my pattern. Um, We have other people that are great at managing energy and are okay at stress, but when a challenge hits, they go into freeze and and fall apart. And so as leaders, it's actually really, really important that we understand what our strengths and weaknesses are when it comes to our wellbeing and our resilience. And we learn the skills and identify what our patterns are and what that means for us, not just at our best, but also when we're not traveling so well. And so always in all of my leadership programs, I start with how are you, how are you present, what do you look like at your best? But let's actually talk about the difficulties and the shadow side, because that's generally where we can unravel all of our good work when it comes to our our careers. And then my second book is around how do we lead a healthy and well high-performing team. And so that is talking about how do we actually have the wellbeing conversation at work? How do we introduce mental health in a safe and an early way, which means that we are always in tune with what's going on with our people and our teams, and we're able to have these conversations early before it turns to a crisis and before it becomes something that's clinical that we feel is completely out of our bag. Because the best way to create a healthy and well team is to have a healthy and well team environment. Yes. Yes, very well explained in terms of getting all the steps and then I I come out with something that looks and tastes amazing. So are you able to share 
like some of the components of the recipes with us today? So I've deliberately written it in the style of choose your own recipe or create your own recipe. The other thing also is the book is deliberately small and deliberately short because I know busy leaders don't have a lot of time. So it's a small book. It's medium-sized writing. It's designed to be practical. And actually my publisher said to me, oh, Flo, your book's a bit short. Can you give me some more words to increase the word count? I'm going, no, I don't want the word count for this audience. If they're picking it up, they want to better learn how to manage stress. I don't want them to actually feel stress because they're going to read through a whole book in terms of getting help. And so Resilience Recipes actually is a step-by-step guidebook, but the good news is with the first chapter, you do create your own pie or wheel of well-being and you work out what's most important for you. You rate where you are at in terms of the things that you care most about and then you just pick one strength to leverage and one or two gaps that you'd then like to work on. And you can then literally flick to whatever chapter is going to be most useful for you in terms of that gap. So the good news is, good news is you actually only need to read the first two chapters to be able to put in place a plan for yourself, then go looking for the solution. And so the three areas that I cover are emotional agility. So for those people who would like to improve their reaction in relation to stress and learn some Mm. in the moment stress diffusion techniques. That's um, the emotional agility section. For those people who struggle a little bit with challenge and change and adversity and the negative voice in their head or the worry or the rumination, the mental adaptability chapter is all about helping us to look at things with a broad perspective which gives us different opportunities for working out where we want to go when adversity hits as opposed to, for many of us, sort of like feeling hit with a sledgehammer and going down for the count. And then for those people who struggle a little bit with exhaustion and burnout and sustaining your energy, the optimising energy chapter is very much around what are the small things that we can be and we should be doing each day that are going to maintain our energy regardless of what is going on and without having to rely on holidays. So I'm not sure about you, but people have pushed themselves too far, will often spend the first few days of their leave on the couch with some kind of a flu or a cold or their bones are aching or that's exhaustion. I call it holiday sickness. And so if you're one of those people that will often spend the first few days of your holiday unwell, that's a really good sign that you need to develop some better energy management strategies along the way so you can enjoy your holiday time and as well as enjoy work and your family and all the other things that you have on. Yes, I love that. I love how you've broken up the book into the, like those three areas, uh, like emotional agility, the um, how to handle adversity, change, challenge, and your energy because the energy one really resonates with me because I hear so many people falling across the line, whether it's their Christmas break or their holidays, and they're exhausted throughout their holidays. And that's what holidays are there for. And I don't believe that's what weekends are there for either. A lot of people I know just push and push and push and push and push and then fall over the line come Friday night and then they spend the weekend sleeping. And I'm like, mm. Not really sure that's what we weekends are for, but if that's how you want to spend it, then that's up to you. 
So you are so right. People just do not want to read big books, especially around this type of thing where things are heavy and they need to plough through stuff. So I think in how you've broken it up is a really smart way to do that so people can just pick that up. And we'll be sharing all of the links in the show notes as to where you can get both of her books and how you can get in touch with her. So I've really loved our chat today. And as I said, this is going out at the perfect time of the year, early in 2024, where, you know, people still have the best of intentions (laughs) for their health and their well-being and leaders potentially have had a break and coming back feeling refreshed. So hopefully in listening to you, and in grabbing your resources they can continue with that for the rest of the year so thank you for being a guest on leading you thank you for having me julie and um want to leave everybody with not just the hope but the intention that you can actually be both healthy and high performing yes i'm 100 they're not separate from each other so awesome thank you so much fleur thank you